is there in the second verse that you sang. Did you notice it? It's the one thing that ties that entire hymn together. Before the throne of God, we pour our ardent prayers. Before the throne of God, we pour our ardent prayers. And then the rest of the hymn talks about the things that we pray for with regards to ourselves and with regards to other people. Our comforts and our cares, our pains and our sorrows, these are the things we bring to God in prayer. He was a young man at that point in his life. And he happened to know the president very, very well, President Dwight Eisenhower. He often met with him. They often prayed together. And then this young man, as the Korean War was going on, 1952, he went to the president one day with a suggestion. He said to the president, every fall we have a day set aside nationally for prayer and praise and thanksgiving. It is called Thanksgiving Day. And then this young man, whose name was Billy Graham, he said, I suggest we have something in the spring of the year, every May, let us have a national day of prayer. And that was taken to both houses. And unanimously it was passed by the Democrats and the Republicans of that day. And ever since, 69 years this Thursday, every year since, there has been a national day of prayer. I need not tell you the obvious. There are some times when that national day of prayer comes and we don't really know what to pray for. Everything is going well. But there are other years. Vietnam War years, 9-11 years, the current situations that we see existing. There is great need for a national day of prayer as millions and millions and millions of His children reach up to the heavens, touching the throne of God, literally beseeching Him to come. And the Bible lets it be known that when God's children speak, Matthew 7, 7, when we ask and when we seek, we find, because God hears. Because this Thursday is a national day of prayer, I wanted to speak on the matter of prayer this weekend. My text is 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. Samuel the great prophet has told the people of Israel that they should steer away from wanting a king like everyone else around them has a king. He said, let the prophet's voice speak for God and follow God and the prophet's word. The people ignored Samuel, and they went ahead and chose a king, and that king was Saul, 1 Samuel 8. And then Samuel came to the people, and an argument raged between the prophet and the people. And then Samuel said these words, 1 Samuel 12, verse 23, As for me, though we might disagree... As for me, though I find no peace in the decision you've made, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against God in ever stopping 
to pray for you. God forbid that I should sin against God by ceasing to pray for you. There are two types of prayers. One of them is personal prayer. You ask God to come to you. To come to you in the form of some blessing, some deliverance. You have some storm going on, or you have no storm going on, but you pray to God every day, and the prayer is for you. Second type of prayer is intercessory prayer. You pray for another individual. You pray for a circumstance that faces a country or a world or a community or the place where you work or the school you teach in or the hospital that you work in. Intercessory prayers. Prayers for someone else. Which prayer is more important? What is more blessed by God? One would think intercessory prayer because you're praying for someone else. But both prayers reach the throne of God and both of them are received by God with great fondness. Next door neighbor, when I was coming over last night, he said, Paul, what are you preaching on this weekend? And I said, I'm preaching on prayer. He said, what aspect of prayer? I said, both aspects, personal prayer and intercessory prayer. He said something astonishing to me. He said, I have great difficulty praying for myself. I have great difficulty praying for myself. I have no difficulty praying for others or for circumstances. But it seems wrong to me that I pray for myself. Mike is a teacher at Southwest Christian. I talked to him for just a moment or two. I said, Mike, when you pray for yourself or you pray for other people, the same thing is happening. You are reaching out to God and you're touching the heart of God. When you pray, there are two things that come into play. When you pray, you are saying, I believe God is real. My Cato, when you are praying to God about yourself, you are saying, God, I believe you're real. You're not a myth. You're not a legend. You're not a fairy tale. We do not pray to myths. We do not pray to legends. We do not pray to fairy tales. When you pray to God, you're saying, God, I believe you're real. Hebrews 11.6 What one thing above all else pleases God? Do you know the answer without looking? Hebrews 11.6 What is the one thing that pleases God? It doesn't say that you come to church 52 times a year. It doesn't say that you give a percentage of your offering to Him. It says the one thing that pleases God is that you believe He is real. And I cannot imagine any way better to say to God, I believe you're real, than to lift up your prayers to Him. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. I don't know if there's a Christian today who realizes properly the far-reaching power of intercessory prayer in carrying on God's cause in this world or for the protection of humanity. I don't think a Christian alive understands the far-reaching power of prayer. I often thought during COVID virus and during the worst days that were existing in this past year, 
I often thought that if one prayer reaches the throne of God and can turn his heart, with millions and millions of Christians in this country praying to God, that the power that went forth was extraordinary. And we do not realize the blessing that has come because of those prayers as we still see chaos around us. And then I stop and think, if it were not for the prayers of millions of Christians, the chaos that we see around us would be multiplied a hundredfold. You throw a pebble into a pond and you watch the ripples cross that pond. You throw the pebble called prayer into the pond of your life or into the pond of the circumstances of someone else's life, and the ripples go forth. And the power behind the ripples is not the pebble that you threw into the pond. The power behind the ripples is the voice of the one who said, Let there be light, and the universe is created. That same power says to you and me, throw into the pond the pebble called prayer. And there will be light streaming from the same voice that created. There was a wedding yesterday here at the church. There were 250 people here. It was incredible to see after such a long time. They came on Friday night. They were dressed like bums. Jeans and plaid shirts and everything else. When they came on the wedding day, I said, Are you the same people who were here last night? They were transformed. They were transformed. God is in the business of transformation. He can do it readily without our prayers. But how often in the Bible... Jesus himself praying multitudes of times. How often in the Bible is prayer listed as the one thing that reaches the heart of God and effects transformation? Prayer. I told Mikado the story that I've told you a few times before. The man who is praying for himself. The man who was praying for himself had not had employment in nine months, had three little children. He had had three interviews with this one company, but he had not heard from them in two months. I said to Mike Otto over the fence last night as I was coming over, I said, Mike, that gentleman was in the middle of a prayer saying to God, it's Friday, God, on Monday I'm going to have to four clothes on my house unless you work some miracle. And I said to Mikado, in the middle of that prayer, the phone rings. And his wife says, can I interrupt your prayers? There's a phone call for you. And he takes the phone call, and it's the guy who interviewed him three months earlier, and he says, can you come work? for me on Monday. I know I haven't given you much notice, but you can you come and work for me? And then he said, I'll give you something I didn't tell you I'd give you. I'll give you a $15,000 bonus if you come on Monday. And then I said to Mike, do you think it's all right to have personal prayers 
going up to God. Prayer. The pebble in the pond whose ripples you'll never understand how far they go. Prayer is a gospel thing. Prayer is a grace of God thing. But it is so important and it is so neglected by Christians. It is accepted so matter-of-factly that God takes the gospel thing and He attaches law to it. Samuel's words. God forbid that I should sin against God by ceasing to pray for you. Prayer is not just an opportunity. It's not just a privilege. It's not just a matter if I run out of other options and I'll pray. It is a responsibility and a blessing that God extends. Pastor Shower read the Gospel. We are the branches. He is the vine. If we stay connected with the vine, we bear much fruit. If we separate ourselves from the vine, we bear no fruit. You're connected to the vine by His Word. You're connected to the vine by the sacrament you'll take in a few moments. And you are connected to the vine by the prayers that are brought to Him. If you invest money in a corporation, you demand responsible action from the administrators of that corporation. In similar voice, God invests opportunities in mankind. We are held responsible for the administration of those opportunities. I say it to you every six months. The opportunity He gives you is time. When I said it six months ago, you're now six months older. The opportunity that He gives you is time. This poor child only received six years on this earth. This young man, only 27. This individual, 38. This one, 52. This one, 87. Alice Kruger, 104. Oldest member still existing in this congregation, Marie Bauschweiss, 99 years of age. God gives us an opportunity. It's called time on this earth. And then He delineates what we are to do with our time. Because the second thing He gives us is talents. The talents we have are the gifts that are in us. This one's a mechanical engineer. This one's an artist. This one is into music. This one drives trucks. God gives you talents. The job you hold is most likely attached to the talent that exists in you. You're around other mechanical engineers. You're around other lawyers. You're around other truck drivers. You're around other plumbers. You're around other teachers. You're around other doctors and other nurses. The talents God gives you is the place He puts you. Why does He give you the talent? Because the place He puts you the club or the organization or your workplace, the place He puts you 
is where He wants you to bring salt and light. And by the time you're in that environment where He places you amongst others of similar ilk, by the time His salt and light has been brought by you into those environments, those environments are transformed. Like those coming to a wedding rehearsal and the next day they're here for the big events. That place is transformed because your talents have been brought there by God to use for Him. He gives you the opportunity of time. He gives you the opportunity of talents. And he gives you the opportunity of treasures. All of us have paychecks. We pray for those who are temporarily unemployed. All of us have paychecks. One has a paycheck every two weeks. That's $10,000. One has a paycheck every two weeks. That's a 1000 or 50 God gives everyone a paycheck. I've never forgotten, someone brought it up to me this past week. Pastor Sauer, October, November 2019. He had a ladder up there on the screen. Do you remember the ladder? Here's an individual. He comes to church two or three weeks in a row. Offering plate in the old days goes past him or her. And they don't put anything in, and that's fine. They're just visiting. After they've been here for about uh, six weeks or three months, all of a sudden they're ready to step on the first rung of the ladder. They're beginning to recognize faces. They're feeling comfortable here. And when the offering plate goes by, or they pass by the box, they'll put in 10 or 20. After they've been here for a year's time, uh, they say, Hey, maybe I'm going to join this church. I'll go through adult instruction. going to join this church. And when they do that, they climb up to the third rung of the ladder. They talk to whoever's in their life, and they say to that individual, oh, 3%. I want to give 3% of that paycheck to God. I'll keep 97%, but I'll give 3% back to Him. And as a year goes by, another year, they climb up the rungs of the ladder. And all of a sudden they're given 5%, and a couple of years later, 7%. And maybe the time comes that they reach the tithe. God's saying, you keep 90%. Do whatever you want to do. Buy the fishing pole, get a summer Do whatever you want to do. But give me a percentage back. So that you understand that money does not control you. You control what I've given you in the form of the paycheck. And if His ministry is to continue in this place or any other place, the opportunity the paycheck provides you must be used for the kingdom. They said when COVID started that 40% of the churches and private schools in this country would close by the time COVID was done. And I begin to see that more and more and more. If God gives us the opportunity of time, talents, and treasures, the opportunity that wraps its umbrella around each of them is prayer. Is prayer. He was three years of age, my dear Lucas. He's now ten. When he was three years of age, he said to me, Papa, who should I pray for? I said, you should pray for everybody. He said, no, Papa, who are you going to pray for in church tomorrow? And I told him, 
He said as a three-year-old, I'm going to pray for them. Ellis Kruger was 104 years of age. She said to me two weeks before she passed, she said, Pastor, I don't know why I'm still on this earth, but I consider perhaps the reason he has left me here is so that I can pray for other people. I pray for our teachers. I pray for our pastors. But I pray for everybody I see in the bulletin. I just pray all the time because that's all I have left to do. I told you about Loretta Gleagy, 95 years of age, when she passed to heaven seven years there at Alden's. And Loretta Gleagy would say to me every time I visit her, she'd say, I don't know why God still has me here. I'm a burden to the family. I'm of no use. And then uh, 30 seconds later, she'd say, Pastor, I pray for you every day. <laughs> and I'd always tell her, I'd get goosebumps when you tell me that, Loretta. And then I'd say, Loretta, you just told me that uh, you are of no use on this earth. And then you tell me that you're praying for me and you're praying for others. There's no par- more powerful thing you've ever done in your life, Loretta, than to pray for others. The opportunity belongs to you and to me. Closing words. There is a creek, perhaps, that trickles by your house on the back side. You have no idea how far that creek extends itself until it reaches the lake or the ocean or the river. Those who pray, you do not know where the tendril and the branches of your prayers will ultimately reach. You do not know how far the current of prayer will travel. But you know that prayer works good in the lives of others because God transfers prayers into blessings. There's a verse in the Bible, Philemon 1.6. It says, Be active in sharing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because the more you talk about Him, the more do you understand who He is and what He's done. I'm going to add one word. Be active in praying to Him, because the more you pray, the more alive does He become in you. The man who I just told you about, who in the middle of prayer is offered his job, and on Monday, instead of foreclosing on his home, wondering where he's going to go, he's going to his job with a bonus sitting there. Do you think that man will ever doubt, ever, in his life, the power of prayer? I think not. And all of the stories I've heard from you in 32 years, and all the stories that Pastor Showers heard from you. So many of the stories pertain to you praying to God, you connecting the dots. I prayed, here's what happened. Do you doubt it for a moment? The more you pray, the stronger does your faith become in Him. A faith ultimately so strong that even if the prayer is not answered in the way 
you want it to be answered. You so trust the wisdom of God that you have his peace anyway. They came to him that day and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. What did he say to them? Ain't got time right now. Did he say to them, yeah, don't worry about it. Not, not that big a deal. <laughs> what did he say to them? He sat him down and there it came. The prayer that we pray 2,000 years later. Every day, every Sunday. Matthew 19. They brought children to Jesus. Luke doesn't say this. Luke 18:15. Matthew does. Matthew 19, when they brought children to Jesus, it says he put his hands upon them and he prayed for them. He prayed for the children. And I'm sure he didn't pray, Lord, let this one grow up to be a brain surgeon. Let this one grow up to be a great athlete. I'm sure he prayed, Lord, this child here, may they grow up in the course of their life to know you as their Lord and Savior. And may there never be a moment or a circumstance ever that they do not realize your presence, your peace, and your strength. In our Savior's name, amen. Lord, as you taught the disciples, so teach each of us how to pray, not my will, but thine be done. In our Savior's name, amen.